0: Thank you. Daniel played that for us when he and his family were with us over the Thanksgiving holidays, and Ray and Bill recorded that, thought we might use that if there were no offerings to provide special music for us during our Sunday worship service. And I just want to say that Daniel is a very talented guitarist. And uh, I cannot take any credit for that, although I was an instrument in getting him started. I showed him a few chords and placed his little fingers when he was very young on where to hold him on the guitar and taught him to strum, and he took it from there. But his love for the guitar, his desire to learn, motivated him to so where he has excelled he has forgotten more than i ever knew as far as playing the guitar and i say that say this god's children are taught by the spirit of god we we as god's preachers have the honor and the privilege of being those that god has chosen to place your tender heart upon The scriptures, the holy scriptures. It's God who has given you the heart. And he is the one who gives the desire, the interest to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ our Savior. And that desire, that love for him, the love for his gospel truths and for Christ and his people motivates God's people not only to want to be where the gospel is preached that we might learn more but also in our own private devotions and our own homes, we, just like Daniel, get off by ourselves and search the Scriptures and pray and ask for God to give the increase. And this love and this interest is what God has given to each one. And as chosen instruments, as preachers of His Gospel, we delight in those who have received the truth and who are growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, because we know our gospel came not in word only, but in power, in much assurance, and in the Holy Ghost. And so we thank God for you, and we're thankful for God's answered prayer and healing many of you who have been sick and have been brought back into our fellowship. So, with that in mind, if you would please turn to Isaiah (coughs) chapter 12, we are going through this 12th chapter of Isaiah, I have been in it for several weeks. There are only six verses in this chapter, and we laid the foundation for this study by starting out with verse 6. I know that sounds strange, but I felt that verse 6 would be a good place to start to lay the foundation for those other verses, verses 1 through 5. Verse 6 says, Cry out and shout. Thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of Thee. Zion refers to the church of Jesus Christ that He purchased with His own blood. The inhabitants of Zion, those are the members of His precious church, precious in His sight, His blood-bought church. Zion is the church inhabitants are those who have experienced the new birth, the miracle of the new birth. Israel refers to God's holy nation, spiritual Israel. And the Holy One of Israel is Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, who is wonderfully great in the midst of us. And all of God's enlightened saints believe this and are delighted and honored to shout to cry out, to witness to anyone we have the opportunity to witness to that Jesus Christ is the Holy One of Israel in our midst. He's great. He's great. Great is He because of who He is. He's our sovereign God, our Creator, who created us. It was God who formed us in our mother's womb. I know He created Adam and Eve out of the dust of the earth, breathed into their nostrils, they became living souls. And I know we come into this world through the process of procreation. But it's still God who forms us in our mother's womb. It's God who breathes into us the breath of life, and so He's great. Because of who He is, is great and what He has done, He humbled Himself. Our great God humbled Himself so that He could be born of a virgin, so that He could become a man. Only as a man could He establish a perfect righteousness for us by His obedience to the law of God, by His perfect obedience to our Heavenly Father's will. Only as a man could He have blood to shed at Calvary for the Spirit Sins of his people. Only as a man could he lay down his life. By doing so, he perfectly satisfied the holy justice of God for all of his chosen people. And so we shout, Great is the Holy One of Israel. Jesus Christ is great because of where he is. He's the resurrected Christ of God who is seated on His sovereign throne in heaven who is working all things after the counsel of His own will. All things are under His feet. God has put all things into His hands. All power in heaven and earth has been given to the God-man. If we don't bow down to Jesus Christ, we have never bowed down to God. It's not just that Jesus Christ is the way, the only way, that a man can approach God. When we come to Jesus Christ, we come to God the Father. Any man that sees Jesus Christ sees the Father. In Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead. And He is great because He's our great High Priest making intercession for all of His chosen people. He's great because as our heavenly Joseph He opens the granaries of heaven and showers us with our daily benefits, those things that are needful to sustain us physically. Every good gift that's been mentioned already, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from our Father which is in heaven, but it's through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And He's great because He has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. And He's great because He's our blessed surety. That means He's going to make sure that all of His chosen people that He purchased with His own blood will be delivered from the power of darkness and brought into this living union with Himself. And He's going to make sure that all of us will be with Him where we may behold Him in His glory. All of His wondrous beauty will be seen by every child of God for all eternity when we're ushered into His presence. And He's great because He has all power in heaven and earth to make sure that these things happen just the way He has decreed them to happen. Now, verse 5 will be our text for this morning's message. This will cover all the verses of this 12th chapter of Isaiah. But let me say this, we have not even begun to exhaust all of that which is contained in these verses. We could go through these every week can come up with things that are true, that give God the glory. So what we have seen is just a limited amount of the truths that are contained here. But this is the closing verse of the six verses that we have had the opportunity of studying together. And Verse 5 says, Sing unto the Lord, for He hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. So God's people are to sing unto the Lord and Jesus Christ is Lord of all. We sing unto Him. He's the one who is the object of all worship and praise and when we gather together, we are worshiping Jesus Christ and when we worship Him, we're worshiping the great three in one. We're to sing with the saints during our public worship. Sing from the heart with understanding. We're to sing in the shower. Sing when you're driving down the highway. Sing when you're working. Sing when you're out in the yard planting flowers. Sing with, you know, you might not want to sing out loud, but you can make melody in your hearts as unto the Lord. And this is what the desire of the hearts of all of God's enlightened people, that we would just be filled with joy and melody in our hearts to the One who loved us and gave Himself for us. So why should we sing unto Him? For He hath done excellent things, our text says. Amen. As Pastor Don Fortner stated, Sing unto the Lord songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing how great and good He is. Sing of what He is in Himself and sing of what He is to His people. For He hath done excellent things. He has brought out an excellent salvation. He has brought in an excellent righteousness. He has offered up an excellent sacrifice. He obtained an excellent victory. So you just go on and on and on. Everything about Jesus Christ is excellent. Our text says this is known and all the earth. And the apostles and and the early New Testament preachers of our Lord Jesus Christ had the honor and the privilege of taking the Gospel to all the known world at that time. The Apostle Paul, the uh, Apostle to the Gentiles, went into the known world preaching, turning the world upside down, preaching the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And God added to the church daily such as should be saved. And all over the known world, at that time, people were singing to the Lord Jesus Christ because He had purchased them with His own blood and had forgiven them of all their sins and their transgressions. And all of God's preachers throughout the Gospel age and up until this time right here today, we continue to preach the Gospel and continue to preach the Gospel and continue to preach the Gospel, but only God can give the increase. And when He does, when He makes His Gospel effectual, we are delivered from the power of darkness. We're translated into the kingdom of Jesus Christ and there's a new song that He puts in our heart. A song unto Him. Yea, even praise unto our Lord for because He has delivered us from that old, slimy, awful, ugly pit that we were wallowing in, that we loved, and He has lifted us up with princes. He has set our feet on a solid rock. He has washed us clean in His blood and put that new song in our hearts. Yea, even praise unto our God. And this is known throughout all the earth because God sends His preachers where He has His elect. And those preachers, as they preach the Gospel, realize and know that only God can make His Word effectual. And when He does, what a change. We echo the words of Pastor Fortner he has wrought out, our Lord Jesus has wrought out an excellent salvation, an excellent righteousness, an excellent sacrifice, and has obtained an excellent victory. He offered an excellent sacrifice. So I've titled this message this morning, Divine Revelation of Excellent Things. Divine Revelation of Excellent Things. Sing unto the Lord for He hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. So it is by divine revelation that we know who Jesus Christ is and what He has done. We know because God has revealed this to us. Flesh and blood cannot reveal it. Our Lord Jesus said that to His apostles. We know who Jesus Christ is. He's the promised Messiah. Yes, He's the Anointed of God. His name is Jesus. Yes, He saved His people from their sins. But He's our great God. He's Jehovah. He's our Creator. And flesh and blood cannot reveal this. This is by divine revelation. We know what He has done. And only God can reveal this to us. This is by divine revelation to know that Jesus Christ took care of the sin dead in full. Not one thing can be laid to the charge of God's elect. As Brother Steve said in his Sunday school lesson this morning, it's not just what we did yesterday or the day before that or way back when we came forth from our mother's womb speaking lies. It's the sins that we commit today. And He's so very right. We can't go through a day without sinning because that's what we are. But it's also all the sins in the future. All of our iniquities were laid on Him. God has made His Son, His darling Son, Jesus Christ to be sent for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. So it's what He has accomplished. He has won the victory over sin, death, and hell. He has defeated all of His enemies, all of our enemies. And we have the blessed assurance that we have entered into the finished work of Jesus Christ our Savior. We cease from our own works as God did from His and enter into that perfect rest. And this is by divine revelation. Do we believe, I ask you this, do we believe that Jesus Christ by Himself purged our sins? If we do, God has revealed this to us. Do we believe that all power in heaven and earth belongs to Jesus Christ? That He's God Almighty? If we do, then God Himself has revealed this to us. So let me take you over to the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel chapter 4. Daniel is one of God's prophets. And what a prophet Daniel was. And I want to use a passage of Scripture here in the 4th chapter of Daniel to help us understand the subject of divine revelation of excellent things. Speaking of spiritual food, you don't have to turn there, but Hebrews 5.14 makes mention of strong meat clearly stating that strong meat belongs to mature Christians, those who are of full age. I was talking with a pastor years ago and one of his members, we were in the pastor's study. No, actually we were at the pastor's house. And one of the members of his church referred to the doctrine of election as being strong meat. And I said, I don't believe that's the strong meat that our Lord is referring to in the book of Hebrews. Uh, I believe babes in Christ are to be taught the doctrine of unconditional election. Ananias taught Paul that when he was Saul of Tarsus three days after his Damascus Road conversion. Ananias said to The Apostle Paul, the God of our fathers, hath chosen thee that thou shouldest know His will. And see that just one and hear the voice of his mouth. He right from get-go, God's servant, told Saul who became Paul, whose name was changed to Paul, I should say, that God had chosen him. And I believe all of God's chosen people should have this taught them right from Babes in Christ. You want to know what strong belief is? I draw your attention to an article in this morning's bulletin by Pastor Don Fortner. It's on the inside back page. The very last page is sermon notes, but next to the last page... There's an article by Pastor Don Fortner. It's taken from Daniel 4.26, which in that verse it says, the heavens do rule. Pastor Fortner said, sooner or later, God is going to make everyone see and acknowledge what He taught the proud King of Babylon. The heavens do rule. You may in your great depth of imaginary wisdom presume that you could run this world better than God does? Could not the Almighty easily put an end to sickness, poverty and war, crime and disease, famine, earthquakes and death? Indeed He could. But God Almighty will not be dictated to by us. Who are we to dare set ourselves up as Instructors to the all-wise God. He worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. Amen. God's providence is mysterious. Romans 11, verses 33-36. through 36. His judgments are a great deep. His ways are past finding out. But I know this, God always has His way. His ways are not our ways, but His way is always right and best. We simply must not question His will, His ways, or His works. Pastor Fortner goes on to say, God's providence is mine. Matthew 10.30 I'm sorry, God's providence is minute. Matthew 10.30 He says, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Imagine that. So minute is the providence of God that He, before the world began, numbered and determined the hairs which would be on your head at every stage of your existence from infancy to the grave. Divine providence is all-inclusive. God rules everything, great and small, everywhere and always. He is in control of all inanimate matter. He who created the world out of nothing commanded the flood to drown all who lived upon the earth at one time. He divided the waters of the Red Sea with the wind. God caused the earth to swallow up the sons of Korah. He dried up the Jordan River to make a path for His people. He made the fiery furnace a cool fire for His servants. Our God has His way in a whirlwind and everywhere else. Our great God is in total control of all irrational creatures. The flies, frogs, and locusts came and went at the will of God. He prepared a great fish to swallow up His servant Jonah and carry him to Nineveh. He caused an ass to speak to Balaam, an a rooster to crow on cue for Peter. And Pastor Fortner said this also, The Lord hath prepared His throne in the heavens. His kingdom ruleth over all. Our God and Heavenly Father controls absolutely and totally all rational creatures too. He controls all men and women everywhere, good and bad. In the good they do and in the evil they perform. All angels, all demons, and Satan himself are under the total control of our God. Many have a lot of trouble with this. They do not understand that God truly is God as fully in control of hell as He is in heaven. As totally in control of wickedness as of righteousness. And, Pastor Forna says, God's providence is good. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. All things work together for good to God's elect eternally, spiritually, and collectively. Whatever God uses to accomplish the salvation of His people is good. At your leisure, read Psalm 107 again. There we are given a detailed view of God's providence. All things work together for good. Our God is King in Heaven and the Heavens do rule. That is exactly as it should be." End of quote. Now with that in mind, follow along with me as I read from this fourth chapter of Daniel starting at verse 30 down through verse 35. The king spake. This is Nebuchadnezzar, that wicked king of Babylon. The king spake and said, is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? He stood and looked at all that which is his and being lifted up with sinful pride, he said, look what I've done. Look what I've done. Look how great I am. And it says in verse 31, While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee, and they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times or seven years shall pass over thee until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar And he was driven from men and did eat grass as oxen and his body was wet with the dew of the heaven till his hairs were grown like eagles' feathers and his nails like bird's claws. Verse 34 says, And at the end of the days, God's appointed days by the way, the ends of those seven years, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven and mine understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High and I praised and honored Him that liveth forever whose dominion is an everlasting dominion and His kingdom is from generation to generation and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing and He doeth according to His will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay His hand or say unto Him, What doest Thou? Now folks, listen. Daniel had already told the king what was going to happen to him. He had a dream. You all know the story. He had a dream. And he was troubled by that dream. And he called all of his wise men, all of his sorcerers, all of those who are supposed to have some kind of power. And none could interpret that dream. But someone remembered that Daniel was an interpreter of dreams. And they called Daniel... And Daniel came before him and Daniel told him that God is the interpreter of dreams. But when the dream was told to Daniel, it astonished him so much that he was afraid to speak for a while. He held his peace for some time until the king kept prodding him. said, don't be afraid to tell me what is the meaning of the dream. And Daniel told him what was going to happen. Told that king he was going to be hewn down but there would be nothing but a stump left which was... A picture of him being knocked off his pedestal, so to speak. Taken off of his throne. But his life was preserved. Daniel told him he would be like a wild beast in the fields for seven years. He told him that. He told him exactly. Daniel told him exactly what was going to happen. A year later, the king was walking through his kingdom. He said, look what I've done. Look at my greatness. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. And just as the word came from his mouth, the fulfillment of what Daniel prophesied fell upon him. And he was removed from his throne, removed from his people, those wise, prominent muckety-mucks. And he went out into the field like a wild man. And until God's appointed time, as he dwelt in that awful condition, until God's appointed time, He was as a madman. But when God brought him to Himself, when He had a right mind put in Him, then He sung a different tune. Before that happened, He was marching to His own drumbeat. He was making melody in His heart to Himself. He was singing songs of praise to himself. But when God showed him that he was nothing absolutely nothing, that God is everything, then he sung a different tune and began to praise and extol the Most High God who gives kingdoms to whomsoever He will. Look at the last verse of chapter 4. He says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of Heaven, all whose works are truth and His ways judgment, and those that walk in pride He is able to abase. Now folks, this is a picture. Nebuchadnezzar is a picture of the natural man, all of us. You say, well, I never was a king on the throne. You were a king in your own right, in your own eyes, in your own little world. You looked at yourself. I looked at myself like I was something. Look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. I am great. In my own eyes, all of us, in our own eyes, we think we're something when we're nothing. And it takes the power of God to knock us off that pedestal, off that high horse we're riding on. Bring us down into the dust of the earth where we recognize that we're nothing but hell-deserving, undeserving sinners with nothing to offer God, that we're bankrupt. And God has shown us our need of Him, our need of mercy. Then, then and only then, Will we sing a different tune? Then and only then will we sing unto the Lord. Then will we see that the Lord has done excellent things. And this is all by divine revelation. Only God can do this. Now I ask you to turn to Acts chapter 2, if you will, please. Acts chapter 2. I know that people just struggle with this. Subject of man's total depravity. But it is a subject that is set forth from the pages of Holy Scripture. When Adam fell, we fell in Adam. We all sinned in Adam. We come into this world with Adam's fallen nature. We are dead in trespasses and sins. We hate God. We run from God. We will have a God of our own imagination, but we will not worship the God of Holy Scripture, our sovereign God who rules in the kingdom of heaven and who considers all the inhabitants of the earth as nothing and does according to His will among the army of heaven and the inhabitants of the earth. And we don't believe, not for a moment, that God is out of uh, that control, cannot be resisted. We believe that we can resist him and this is being taught in most of your Armenian churches if not all of them that you can resist the sovereign will of God that is nothing but blasphemy. I put this short article in last week's bulletin. I said everything that happens is according to the permissive will of our Lord Jesus Christ for his glory and for our good. Knowing this, we should never allow the actions of others to offend us. Now let me explain that. This does not mean that our Lord is giving anyone permission to sin. That is not what is meant by that statement. The word permissive has more than one meaning. It does mean to give permission, but it also means to permit or to allow As an illustration, this parking lot belongs to Rescue Baptist Church all the way over up to and including part of the sidewalk that's over on this side of the fire department. But we have given the fire department permission to use the parking lot to perform their training exercises for the firemen with their fire trucks and other ways. And we have given them permission to use that back part of the fire department, our parking lot, as a place to park their vehicles, people who are working there. There are times when they have special events, a pancake breakfast on Saturday morning sometimes. Uh, Right now they're selling Christmas trees. Uh, They use part of our property to fence off their Christmas trees. People come in And they park in our parking lot for these special events. I haven't given them permission, but I permit it. I allow it. You understand? That's a permissive will. That doesn't mean I've given them permission, but it does mean that I permit it to happen. Now folks, listen. God did not give Lucifer permission to exalt himself above the Most High God. But God permitted it. God did not give the third of His created angels to agree with Satan, but He permitted it. He did not give Adam permission to eat the forbidden fruit, but He permitted it. God allowed all of that. Everything that happens in time was purposed by God before time began, and He knows the end from the beginning and everything in between because He purposed the end from the beginning and everything in between. Nothing is outside of God's permissive will. He allows these things to happen. He permits them to happen. And if we don't understand this, we don't understand the absolute sovereignty of God who works all things after the counsel of His own will. Now listen to this. We're in Acts chapter 2. Starting at verse 22 of this second chapter of Acts, we read, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by Him in the midst of you as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. God does not permit... In other words, I should, let me rephrase that. God does not give anybody permission to commit willful murder. That would go contrary to His word. But He did permit those wicked men to murder the Prince of Peace. Now, I know that nobody took his life from him. I know that Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, laid down his life voluntarily. But that's Scripture. They murdered the Prince of Peace. They murdered him. God determined that before this world was ever created. Jesus Christ is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And what happened all the way from the fall of Adam up to and including What took place at Calvary was purposed by God Himself and executed in the fullness of His time for the glory of His darling Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Wicked hands did what they did. They entangled their fingers in His beard and they just jerked the hair right off of His face. Saying, prophesy. Tell us who it is that smote thee when they smote Him in the face. They took the cat of nine tails and laid those 30 stripes across his back and that executioner, the one who had the whip, he knew how to use it. Just at the right time, he would snap that cat of nine tails and the ends of those tails were pieces of shell and glass and it just ripped the hide from his back. You reckon that hurt? By his stripes we are healed. They brutally beat him. The Roman soldiers brutally beat him beyond recognition. Pilate thought he had come up with a way that would cause those Jews to be satisfied. He allowed his Roman soldiers to brutally beat Jesus Christ. It's recorded that he was beyond recognition. His visage was so marred it could not be recognized. And when he presented, when Pilate presented the Lord Jesus Christ, and he didn't know he was the Lord, but when he presented him to those Jews thinking that they would be satisfied with the punishment he had already received, they were like a a pack of hungry wolves who got a taste of blood. And they, they wanted more. Crucify Him! Crucify Him! was their shout. All of them wanted Him crucified. But it was by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Every event that took place up to and including when they drove the nails through His hands and His feet suspended Him between heaven and earth. They lifted up the pole with Jesus on it and dropped Him in that hole that was already dug and it jarred all of His bones out of joint. And that was painful. That was determined by God. It was wicked hands that did it, but it was determined by God. And they mocked Him. Mocked their own Creator, the eternal Son of God. Saying, you saved others, save yourself. You feel the Son of God come down from that cross. Folks, He had to do what He did. There was no way for us to be saved. He had to go to the cross and he had to continue through that which was ordained by God the Father. He must finish his work. And when he, just before he gave up the ghost, knew that the work of redemption was finished, he pillowed his chin on his chest, said, It is finished, and gave up the ghost. And that secured the salvation of all of His chosen people. And because He was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, God has raised Him from the dead. Jesus Christ had the power to not only lay down His life, He had the power to raise it up again. That's not a contradiction. He is God. And God has highly exalted His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Given Him a name which is above every name. If we don't bow down to Jesus Christ, confessing Him as our Lord and our Savior, believing in our heart that He by Himself purged our sins, that He is our Savior, we are still lost. We're still undone. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. We're right here in the book of Acts. Go over to verse 27 of Or actually, verse 32. Well, let me draw back to verse 21 first of chapter 2. It says, It shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But we can't call on Him if we don't know who He is. And this is by divine revelation. And this is our subject this morning. Divine revelation of excellent things. Having Him revealed. And if He has been revealed to us, we will call upon Him. We will call upon Him for salvation. Go on over to verse 32. Down through verse 39. It says, This same Jesus God raised up whereof we all are witnesses, therefore being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, He has shed forth this which ye now see and hear, which was the fulfillment of the prophet Joel, For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now let me stop right there for a moment. There are some hecklers in this world who claim to believe in the doctrines of grace, who have lashed out at Pastor Don Fortner and others, myself included, for believing that God our Father made His darling Son who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. They do not believe that God was made to be sin for us. And one heckler, and it's posted on the internet, referred to this passage of Scripture right here in Acts 2.36, where it says that God hath made that same Jesus, both Lord and Christ. And here's what he said. We know that God didn't make Jesus to be Lord. He has always been Lord. That's the same word that is used over in 2 Corinthians where it says God has made Him to be sin for us. Well, He's ignorant of this. He's not reading what this is saying. Jesus Christ has not always been the God-man. Yes, Jesus Christ has always been the eternal Son of God. He's always been the second person of the Blessed Trinity. But He has not always been a man. He was made of a woman, made under the law that He might redeem His people from the curse of the law. And it was God who made Him. Made His Son, the God-man, to be both Lord and Christ, ruler over this whole universe and everything in it. And read on. Verse 37 says, Now when they heard this, those who were listening to the Apostle Peter preach this message, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the Apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now folks, listen, only God can prick the heart. If we haven't, been convicted by God the Holy Spirit of our helpless and hopeless, sinful, lost condition, then we will strike out at the truth every time we hear it. But when God pricks the heart, when God deals with the heart, and it's a heart issue, when He makes us aware, and every one of us have this in common if we're in Christ... We have a need. That need is God's sovereign mercy. That's right. And until God Himself makes us aware of the fact that we deserve nothing but His wrath and that we can get mercy nowhere but from God our Father through the finished work of Jesus Christ our Lord, if we have not started right here, God has not begun the work in us. It's God who begins this work. And He will finish this work. And so when we hear the Gospel of the crucified Savior according to the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God who has gone into the grave, come out of the grave, and is seated at the right hand of the Majesty on high. When we hear this, when we hear that He by Himself purged our sins, and He's our Lord and our God, and that we can do nothing to help ourselves, we will cry out to Him for mercy. And that's what these people have done. And listen to what Peter says in verse 38. Then Peter... Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then he goes on to say, For the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are far off. Listen to this. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So God has made a promise to His darling Son upon meeting all of the conditions of the eternal covenant of grace that He will have a people who will be just like Him, who will inhabit eternity with Him, giving Him all the glory and all the praise for His unspeakable gift, eternal life through Christ our Savior. And when we are pricked with the Holy Spirit, when we are convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit, we'll see this promise it's not only to the Jews, the elect Jews, not only to the Jews' children, to the elect children, but to those who are far off, the Gentiles, God's elect in every Gentile nation. And God, like I said earlier, will send His preachers to every corner of the earth where His elect are, get His people under the sound of the Gospel so that we will be brought out of darkness into the marvelous light of Christ our Savior by the sovereign, irresistible drawing power of God the Holy Spirit. Now folks, Jesus Christ is the Holy One of Israel. All the inhabitants of Zion sing this song to Him. Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. He is great in our minds. Will you look at Acts chapter four? I'll bring this to a close in just a moment. Acts chapter four, starting at verse 27. We read four of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate. Now, before we read any further, this is the prayer of the early New Testament church, and they're praying. This is how they pray: four of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. Now, look at this, verse twenty-eight. Four to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Now, that's not a misprint. That's not a mistake. That's a declaration of the absolute sovereign purpose of God Almighty and His accomplishment of what He has purposed. God is in control of everything because He purposed everything. Nothing happens apart from His permissive will. Read on. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. And Brother Ray brought before us this morning the awesome responsibility of standing before people, bringing spiritual truths before them according to what is written. Took us over in the book of Revelation, the 22nd chapter, showing us that. If we add to or take away from this blessed book what is written here, what is taught here, God will add the plagues of this life, this world, onto us and take our name out of the book of life. That's not the Lamb's book. God will never take any name out of the Lamb's book of life. We're His forever. But the book of life, which is physical life, did you know if we come to the table in an unworthy manner, we're just asking for God to kill us. Folks, God is God. He's in control. He has always been in control. And all the inhabitants of Zion praise the Lord Jesus Christ for turning God's anger away from us, for making us acceptable in Him, for removing our sins from God's sight forever by His perfect redeeming work. All the inhabitants of Zion acknowledge Jesus Christ as our God, as our salvation. All the inhabitants of Zion draw water out of the wells of salvation, the well of electing love, the well of redeeming love, the well of sanctifying love. All of the inhabitants of Zion praise and extol the God of heaven who rules and reigns over this whole universe and everything in it and for His divine revelation of excellent things. Let me leave you with this excellent article that's in today's bulletin under Food for Thought by Joseph Charles Philpot, he titled this article with scripture taken from Mark chapter six and verse fifty Be of good cheer, our Lord Jesus said, It is I, be not afraid. Mr. Philpot wrote these words way back over a hundred years ago, hundred and fifty years ago. He said, it is I who formed you. Speaking of God, it is I who formed you in the womb and brought you forth into your present existence. It is I, the Lord your God, who has fed you and clothed you from the hour up to the present moment. It is I, the Lord your God, who has preserved you on every side. When you were upon a sick bed, it was I, the Lord your God, who visited your soul, raised up your body, and gave you that measure of health which you do now enjoy. It is I, the Lord God, who placed you in the situation of life which you do now occupy. It is I, the Lord your God, who deals out to you every trial, who allots you every affliction, who brings upon you every cross, who works in you everything according to my own good pleasure. When we can, Mr. Philpott wrote, when we can thus believe that the Lord our God is about our bed and our path and spying out all our ways, when we can look up to Him and feel that He is the Lord our God, there is no feeling more sweet, more blessed, more heavenly. Our Lord says, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. One of God's faithful prophets made this statement. There is no true worship except at the throne of absolute sovereignty. Our Lord Jesus said, Without Me ye can do nothing. All the saints of God who have gone on before us had this testimony as they walked before the people of this world. Our Lord Jesus is Lord of all. He works all things after the counsel of His own will. Absolutely nothing happens apart from His permissive will. And He knows, our God knows, and we know, that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. All things. That could not be true if God was not in control of all things. So what is our testimony? It is the same as those who have gone on before us if we have experienced divine revelations of excellent things. Our God is excellent. Excellent. In all of his being and in all of his ways. And all of God's people say, Amen.